So there I was. I was in uh, the study, and in walks in, this is, I would say, about five years ago, in walks in uh, a mentor of mine, but he walks in uh, rather very slowly because this brother is in his 90s. His name is Pastor Luther Foster, and you might have seen his Bible, which is in the foundation of the church on the walk in. And he's a dear brother to uh, Pastor John and me. And if you know Luther, you know he comes in with not just a dad joke, but the dad joke of dad joke. May I say a grandpa level joke. Every time you see Luther, he has this joke. But on this day, he's like, I have something very serious to talk to you about, youngin. And I'm like, yes, sir. So he comes in and he puts his hand on my shoulder and I'm like, oh, he's like, I have something to talk to you about your ministry. And I'm like, here I am, the young gun who never went to Bible college. And I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. I said something I shouldn't have said. And, I, I, and I'm like, Lord, keep me humble. Let me be receptive to what this wise uh, veteran, this uh, apostolic figure, this man who's planted churches and gone before us. Lord, let me be humble. And then he goes... I've seen you out there on the streets preaching. And I'm like, guilty. And I think I'm going to get in trouble. I, I, and then he goes, he, he puts his hand on my shoulder. And he, he looks at me and, and it's like, that was the way it used to be. That was the way it used to be. And he, with tears in his eyes, he goes, you know, back in, back in my day, they used to yell at us when we were preaching. They used to say, save it for Sunday, preacher. And he says, we did. We saved it for Sunday. But I'm so glad that you're out there preaching the gospel. And then he lays his hands on me, and I'm like, it's like this spiritual charge moment. And he's like, give them hell, Kyle. And I was like, ah! It was like this Paul to Timothy moment that we're, literally, we're studying that right now. For 2 Timothy chapter 4, get out your Bibles. Hopefully you all brought your Bibles to church. We're in the middle of a Timothy series at the very end. And we're going to be looking at chapter 4 where Paul is having a, a moment with Timothy. This is the final charge. This is the... Do not forget this moment. This is, if you remember anything, remember this. It is Paul's wisdom to Timothy, to his advice to his spiritual son. Chapter 4 of the second chapter in the New Testament. Verse 1. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing of his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because of their, they have itching ears, they will heap upon themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and to be turned aside to fables. But you, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. 
This is the charge of Paul the Apostle to a younger Timothy. Now remember, they're in this crazy place. Timothy is in Ephesus. How many of you remember Ephesus from the story, from the narrative? That's the place where they make a giant bonfire of like the, that weird section of Barnes and Nobles. You know, like that New Age spirituality, cultish, like dark stuff, you know what I'm saying, where you get the heebie-jeebies. You walk by and you're like, in the name of Jesus, you know what I'm saying? It's that sex. That's Ephesus. They had a huge bonfire of those kind of books. And and Timothy is this young pastor there. He's young. He's like, Paul said, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. But here it is. You know, Timothy is literally pastoring in this super. You guys don't get it. Ephesus was wild. They had this giant. Uh, temple to Diana, and one time Paul, the apostle, he's preaching outside the temple, and he's publicly declaring that Jesus is God, and there becomes to be like a mob and a riot. Imagine like a, uh, just this incredible like, like cyclone of angry and interested, and that's just what it is. It's just a mob of people, and, and there's Paul preaching, and all of a sudden the whole crowd starts swaying. Great is Diana of the Ephesians. That's exciting. You know, that's not boring. So Paul's in the middle of that, and that's the environment that he's writing to Timothy. This little young gun. This little never kid who never went to Bible college. This kid who, who, who has nothing but God. And Paul tells Timothy in his final words, Paul's about to be killed. He knows it. He knows his time is up. He knows he's run his race. He's finished it. And Paul looks at Timothy and says this final thing, this last word. Preach the word. Preach the word. This is his final charge to him. Now notice, now he doesn't say preach your opinion. He doesn't say preach your politics. Now how many of us, we... we there's more evidence to convince other people of our political opinions than our spiritual reality. Basically, if you would look at your life, some of us have been preaching our politics more than the Prince of Peace. He doesn't say preach your religion. He doesn't say preach your denomination, but preach the word. Paul says, woe to me if I preach not the gospel. Him we preach, warning every man, teaching every man to present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I labor and strive, and the Spirit works in me mightily. For I preach not myself, but Christ Jesus the Lord. You see, Paul was a preacher. He couldn't help but speak about all the things that he'd seen and heard. And he's telling Timothy, don't forget this part. Just as Luther put his hands on my shoulders and said, Keep doing this. Keep doing this. When I was young, this was common. Preachers used to preach. Preach the word. Convince, rebuke, and exhort. That means to, to, to argue. To convince means to argue, to reason. To rebuke means to, to, you know, to, to have some, not as you would call, hallmark language. You know, it, you know, it doesn't say, in a sense, we, we put be nice as the 11th commandment, church people. It doesn't ever mean we're unloving. 
but we have, we have surrendered our courage. When I, when I look at Paul, whose back was like a plowed field, you've seen the passion of the Christ. He suffered that twice he was beaten and flogged, left for dead, betrayed by his own countrymen. His name was the curse word in the Jewish community. And yet, his heart was filled with love. And he would do it all again for the sake of preaching Christ and uplifting Jesus. Convince, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. He's telling Timothy, it's going to be difficult. Be patient, be loving, convince, rebuke, and exhort. And then he says, be ready in season and out of season. Be ready in season and out of season. So there I was. I, had, I made it. It was my honeymoon. I mean, that gorgeous woman over there, it's Jesus. Man, we were in love. It was our honeymoon. We were on a cruise. Can I get an amen? And we were on this cruise. And it was our time. You know, we, we, we were in love. We kept ourselves ready for marriage. We're holy. It's time. It is time for the cruise. And so we're there. We get on the cruise. And, we're, and, I, and I'm a young minister. I'm fired up for the things of God. And then all of a sudden, these people sit at our table. You remember this, babe? They sit at our table, the only table on the cruise ship. And we're just sitting there so in love with each other. And then they came on the cruise. Two, they were married to two different people. They were having their little adultery cruise. Exactly. And they sat at my table. I'm like, Jesus, this is my honeymoon. I do not want to preach to these people. Can I have one week off? And, and then they just go in. And, and, but the thing is, I'm not going to say anything. Lord, I'm not going to say. I'm just going I'm just, I'm just to be good. I'm going to eat this, you know, cheap lobster. And, and so they, and they get under such conviction because of our love and, and the holiness of heart that we have for each other, that they literally come under conviction. And I'm like, I guess I'll evangelize. I guess I'll evangelize Jesus. But that, that's what it means to be ready in season and out of season. Even when it's not the right opportunity. You see, we have this idea that we're only going to evangelize when the doors open. Like there's literally been times, there's literally been times when people are like, I just want, what's the meaning of life? And you're like, oh, oh, hold on. It's right there. And, you, you know, those are those moments like with the clouds part and someone's like, God, show me a sign. And you're just sitting right next to them with a trust Jesus sign. And you're like, oh, I, I got your sign. It's right here. Trust, trust Jesus. Like those are those moments, you know, it happens. Like when someone opens up and you know it's for the furtherance of the gospel and you know you're supposed to speak. That's that in-season moment. You are ready. They are ready. And everything is roses and everything's great. There's my, you might even been asked. There's an opportunity. It might have even been scheduled. What does it mean to be out of season? We're supposed to be ready in season and out of season. Out of season, it literally means awkward time. It meant resisted time. Opposition time. Now, when did we let the circumstances of the receptivity of the message determine whether we declare the message? 
That's not, the, that's not what Paul is telling Timothy here. He's not saying, no, just, just only go through the open doors. He only go through the opportunities. He's saying, make the opportunity. That's completely different. Don't just wait for an opportunity. How about this? Be the opportunity. Yes, as, as men and women of God, we bring kingdom wherever we walk. That means we bring kingdom wherever we talk. And so that, that's what he's talking about. Be ready in season, out of season. First service, I was like, you know, I'm asking the weatherman, Bill, I'm like, when's the season of evangelism? Because if it's one season, you know, when's the evangelism season? I believe it's coming. I believe it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to remember her great heritage and rise up to be the people of God in this day and age. Because people had this idea, it's like, oh, it's getting dark. And it is getting dark. It's darker now than it's ever been. But they just think, oh, let's just wait for the rapture. Let's just circle up the wagons. No, my Bible speaks of a triumphant church. A triumphant church in which the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I dream of a day in which the church leaves the building. Amen. Where the church is the church out there. Amen. That is coming. That is, that is the way of it. That is the, that is the Bible's description of the church. Is they met daily and house to house and then out in the temple. Declaring and praising the mighty, magnifical works of God. Amen. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Now when we say preach, what do we mean? Because that's an important thing. I got news for you. I'm not actually preaching right now. This is actually teaching. There's a difference between preaching and teaching, both in audience and in instruction. Preaching is publicly heralding the resurrection of Jesus. Teaching is line upon line instruction of the saints, edifying them and building them up, discipling them, if you will, instructing them, teaching them the scriptures, bringing them into maturity in Christ, whereas preaching is proclaiming that the rabbi rose from the dead, proclaiming who he is and what he requires, repentance and faith, sin and salvation. Preaching is a public declaration. Teaching is, in a sense, church instruction. Jesus came preaching and teaching and healing. He had a threefold ministry. How many of you have seen that crazy kids movie, Shrek? Have you all seen it? With that giant green ogre? You seen that, you know, with the donkey and the waffles? You seen that movie? Who's the bad guy in that movie? Lord Farquaad. That's right. Every time Lord Farquaad comes on the scene, that, t that tiny little guy with a little complex, somebody goes, burr, 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 and they blow a trumpet, and they make an announcement. That person who blows the trumpet is a herald. If you have to give a one-word definition of the word for preach, it's herald. Someone who makes a public announcement. Hear ye, hear ye, the king has a message. That is preaching. That was the ministry of Jesus. That was the ministry of the apostles. They didn't kill all the disciples because they were Mr. Rogers. You see that? They, they killed them because they were preachers. They killed them because they would go and declare the authority and the reign of the king in a Caesar empire. And they weren't saying Caesar is Lord. They're just now saying what? Jesus is Lord. And they were killed for the sake of the gospel. But that's what it means to preach. There's a difference between preaching 
and teaching. And in this church, we've done a, a wonderful, I believe, a, a job in which honors the Lord regarding discipleship and regarding our great commission of our king. We have small groups. We have enough small groups for everybody. We believe in small groups. We champion small groups. Small groups is who we are as a church. And because why? Because we want to be obedient to the great commission of our king to go and make disciples of all nations. Amen? We want to help our friends become devoted followers of Jesus. That's who we are as a church. We want to make disciples of all nations. Well, and that's part of the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Have you ever read the end of Mark 16? In my Bible, it also says that Mark 16 is part of the Great Commission. And we put the emphasis, make disciples. Well, with the next hand and with the next breath, we should also say, as Mark says in the 16th chapter, preach the gospel to all creation. So discipleship and evangelism are two sides of the same coin. We need both. We can't just uh, become uh, focused solely on discipleship because then we'll only become inward. And we can't be focused solely on evangelism because then we'll never grow them into maturity. But it's evangelism and discipleship. Those two together and we'll fulfill the Great Commission. Now, I didn't want to preach this message because I'm very passionate about this topic. I didn't want to get onto it and just come after you with a you must do this mentality. I didn't want to browbeat you. But I had to be very careful because I'm very passionate about this. I'm passionate about discipleship. I'm a geek. I wrote 300 pages on discipleship, but I wrote 900 pages on proclamation. Like, I'm a nerd. It's okay. Jesus loves nerds. It's okay. There's a, there's a seat at the table for all of us. But what I'm saying is I had to be careful because I knew I, I, I want to clearly communicate this something that's so passionate to me. But I didn't want to come after you and just be like, you need to preach, you need to evangelize. 95% of the church has never evangelized. I didn't want to do that normal Kyle thing. So I just started thinking about it. The only way they're going to do it is if they love to do it. And the only way they're going to love to do it is if they love him. And so then I started thinking about the ones of, in my life that I love the most. My son, Liam. It's 10 years old, and I begin to think about his life. And right now, he is walking around. If you know Liam, he's 10 years old, got blonde hair. He's beautiful. He takes after his mother. And he is an Astros fan. Amen. He is an Astros fan. And he walks around and talks to every single person he meets. He's never met a stranger. He is not an introvert like me. He, he, every, he's like, do you know? That the Astros won the World Series? And he tells them all about the Astros. And he tells them all about their starting lineup. Did you know that Jose Altuve broke his thumb and it's going to be six weeks until the, you know, he tells them all about it. He's like, did you know that Jordan Alvarez hit a stand-up double last night and cleared the bases? He just, every, every single person, he's a little Astros evangelist. And, and, and then with his next breath, this is a reality of what happened. Uh, we're from Houston originally, so... Uh, he, his cousin became a Kansas City Chiefs fan five years ago. So Liam also became a Kansas City Chiefs fan five years ago. So he's not a bandwagon fan. He's always loved the Chiefs. He has known, he's never known the glory of the Houston Oilers. And so, and so he's a Chiefs fan. He's an Astros fan. And in some crazy coincidence, guess what happens? His teams win a World Series 
and a Super Bowl in the same year. So this little evangelist is just running around. Glory! My and he just thinks, he's just telling everybody about the Chiefs and the Astros, and he's just, every single person he's telling them about it. He got in an argument with an adult for an hour and a half about how the Astros are better than the Yankees. So he, he's just this little event. Why? Because his heart is overflowed with love. Now, I don't have the heart to tell him that, hey, you know, your teams don't usually win, and this doesn't usually ever happen like this. He's like, be quiet, unbelief, you know. Like, and, 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 he, and he's just... He's in this world right now, and I don't have the heart to tell him. I'm like, hey, man, if you're a Cowboys fan, you're going to have to wait two decades. You know, like, oh, uh, too close to home. Okay, oh, sorry. Paul says here, they, uh, they hate me because I testify of the truth. Uh, uh, so, but he, but what, what do you have here with Liam? He's sharing what he loves. That's the heart of evangelism. If you say that you love Jesus... If you say that you love Jesus, you share him. You cannot help but share him because it's good news to you. It's good news to you. So people are like, Kyle, can you come do evangelism classes? I'm like, no. I'll do love Jesus classes because if you love him, you'll speak about him. And some of you are getting to my main point. If you love him, you cannot help but speak about him because the gospel is good news. So I didn't want to come after you and be like, hey, why aren't you doing such and such? But that never works. Duty can only take you so far. It is the delight of the kingdom of God. It is the joy of the Lord which makes us strong. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. The key to world evangelism is enjoying God. It's just as simple as that. I want what that guy's having. You understand what I'm saying? Like that's That's the mindset of it. That's how the glad tidings of great joy spread from person to person. That's the power of good news is you cannot hold it in. I got good news. I got great news. I've got the news of news. I've got the good news and I want to tell the whole world. Let me let me look. you want to hear what it is? Put it up. Put up put up the good news. Oh! Woo! That that's my wife. She's going to have a baby. That's good. I had to tell you. You know, so, you know, so, and the thing is, is a lot of y'all already knew because I couldn't help it. My, I, it was so funny because my wife, uh, we, we like, oh, who are we going to tell? I don't know. Let's tell, let's tell. And then I would get the people and they already knew the gospel. They had already heard the good news. You see that? That's the heart of this, my friends. If what Jesus does to you on the inside, if he transforms your heart, if all your burdens of sin and sorrow and anxiety and worries are gone, if you're born again by the Spirit of God, you cannot help but speak about all the things we've seen and heard. You will declare, just like when Mary found out, she went and told uh, Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth found out, she went and told Mary. And just when, Phil, when Philip found out, he went and told Nathaniel, Nathaniel to Andrew, P- Peter, James, and John, it just spreads. The gospel has to spread. It's good news. It's good news. So the great commission of proclamation, of preaching, of discipleship, of all nations, the great commission can only be fulfilled by the great commandment. And the great commandment is to love God. To love God with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind, and our strength. And then when we love God, we're in a wonderful place to begin to love our neighbor. You see that? If we fulfill the great commandment 
to love God first, then we'll love our neighbor. And consequently, we'll evangelize the world, we'll spread the good news everywhere, and we'll take and disciple those people to also do the same. So it is through the commandment that we fulfill the commission. It's Palm Sunday. It is a day of shouting for joy in the history of our church. Let's go back to the Gospel of Luke in the 19th chapter where we read the first story of how Jesus entered Jerusalem. Verse 37. Now as he was drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitudes of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for the almighty works which they have seen him do, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in God the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him and said, Teacher, Rabbi, tell your disciples to be quiet. Tell the crowd to be quiet. But he answered and said to him, I tell you that if these should keep quiet, the stones would cry out. The stones would cry out. Now I think it's so interesting that in this story when everyone's praising in a sense, Jesus, for who he is and what he did, what do the religious people do? What do the religious people do? Shh! Be quiet. They will always do that. The moment you get on fire for God, the moment you go public for God, the moment you begin to spread his gospel, spread his good news, there's going to be the religious people that are going to cry out, Shh! If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father. But if you confess me before men, I will confess you before the father and before all of the holy angels. So the message I wanted to share with you this morning, don't pick up religious rocks. Jesus is saying these rocks will cry out and testify of me, but don't you go pick up religious rocks. What are these religious rocks? What's going to hinder? What's going to hinder our evangelism? What's going to hinder our sharing our faith, us basically telling people of the goodness of the Lord and what he's done? The first hindrance or the, the religious rock that comes into your heart is this. It's the fear of man. You know that to be true. The moment you're like, okay, i got to start talking about Jesus, what happens? The fear of man comes into your heart. I experience it today. I, I, I'm an introvert. I don't even like talking in front of people. So I just have to go, Jesus, increase in my heart. Lord, I decrease, you increase. Fear of man is a snare, the Bible says. But there's perfect love which casts out all fear. And so you don't pick up this religious rock. Okay. And then you, you don't want to evangelize. In a sense, this is one, I think, one of the biggest ones, the hindrances of evangelism. One of the stumbling points of evangelism is this. If you have sin in your heart, in your life, you're going to be muzzled. How are you going to declare freedom when you don't have it? You can only share what you have. If you don't have good news on the inside, you know, Jesus says, beware those who are whitewashed on the outside, but are inside are filled with all kinds of dead men's bones. And this is the greatest hindrance to evangelism because you, you don't have anything to evangelize. You don't have any good things to sell. 
So this is why Jesus says, go and sin no more. He says, stop sinning lest something worse happen to you. So surrender this. You're never meant to carry that anyway. Another one is this. Well, is it going to work? I have these doubts. I have this unbelief. I believe, Lord. Help my unbelief. I'm not even to to worry about the results. I'm not even to worry, period. My job is to be a faithful minister, a faithful steward. God, what you've entrusted with me is so wonderful, and I'm going to share it. So, Lord, increase my faith. And 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 then we pick up this one. Unbelief. Oh, it's not going to work. Well, with that kind of faith, it won't work. What if you ministered in faith? What if you evangelized in faith? There's a scripture, according to your faith, and it was so. If you speak to the mountain, it will be moved, it will move. And you can minister in faith, and you can evangelize in faith, and you, and you can reach out to people knowing what the word of God says and what it, what it, what it, what it says for them in that moment. This is a big one. The bubble. You have your Christian friends and your Christian circles. And in order to protect yourself and your family, you've isolated yourselves from outward opportunity. This is a simple prayer. God, give me your eyes. God, give me your eyes to see the people that you're leading me to evangelize. I remember the story of Philip. He left a revival that was incredibly successful in ministry. He leaves a revival sensitive to the Holy Spirit to look after one man for the sake of the gospel who was lost. Lord, give me your eyes. This rock that hinders our evangelism is self. My plans, my schedule, my career, my family, and Christianity that I must die Evangelism isn't for everyone. It's only for the disciples of Jesus. And if any man be my disciple, let him deny himself. Deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Wrong ideas. Some people think, oh, if they're going to get saved, God will save them. And he doesn't need me. There's nothing I can do. That's a bad idea. It's just crippled the church. It's a wrong idea. You are the body of Christ. You are his hands. You are his feet. If he's going to reach the people, it's going to be through the church. It's God's method of reconciliation. You are the body of Christ. If Some of you have been praying for your family to come into the faith. You need to open up your mouth and declare the gospel. Never pray a prayer without you first being willing to be the answer to the prayer. I'm not trained. I'm not equipped. I don't know what to say. It's because, honestly, and this will hurt, you've never studied it. The reason you're not winning souls is because you never studied it because you didn't think it was that important. And and I know this is harsh and it's, it's hard to hear, but Americans... We're so amazing in our capacities. Like I've seen people, they have a desire to to put a new kitchen in their house and they completely, they never picked up a tool once in their life, but they self-teach themselves through all kinds of DIY, YouTube videos. Like right now, I don't, I'm not an electrician, but I'm literally wiring up my own house because I'm watching all these videos and I hope it won't burn down. But, But do you understand what I'm saying? If we want... 
to be trained in soul winning and evangelism. We can be. We can be. Does it work? It's never worked for me. I tried it three or four times. That's like a fisherman saying, I threw a couple of casts and didn't catch a fish. We're not to worry about the results anyway. I will build my church and the gates of hell will prevail against it. But the reason, the reason the church is not evangelizing is because of this. We pick up all these things that we are never meant to carry. And with hands that are full and, and with a heavy load, we, we put upon all these things and we try to carry them with hands being full, and we say, how am I supposed to do the work of the Lord now? And we carry all these things that we were never meant to carry. But the scriptures are very clear. Come unto me, all you are heavy laden, all you are heavy burdened. Come and learn from me. Take my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you know what his yoke was? A rabbi's yoke is his interpretation of Torah. And they said, what is the greatest commandment? And the rabbi said, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. That it is through our love for God and through our love for one another that we're evangelized and disciple the world. Would you stand with me? And this next song, many of us are being called to surrender rocks that we have picked up, burdens that we have carried, things that have hindered our evangelism. Lay those rocks down and pick up love. Lord Jesus, all around the room, I pray that he that has ears to hear would hear what the Spirit says to the church. That they would, that their hearts would be filled with love. And that the love of God would literally be a constraining, regulating, directing force in their life. That many waters couldn't quench love. That love never fails. Let them evangelize out of a heart of love. Let they return to their first love. Lay down all the religious rocks, all the things that burden their hearts and minds.